The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are thinking not as God does, but as humans do. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone wants to become my follower, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit anyone to gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will anyone give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each according to their work. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Brothers and sisters, we, you may recall in Pentecost of 2019, uh, our bishop announced a year of prayer for our diocese as we make this transition into the family of parishes. And we concluded that in Pentecost 2020. We were praying that year of prayer prayer before every single Sunday Mass. You're a good shepherd. And you may recall a lot of the deacons and priests, uh, they were preaching about it and also uh, through any diocesan email we got, there was always kind of the slogan that we would become a mission-oriented church forming disciples of Jesus. And we know that that call to be mission-oriented, to be disciples of Jesus, that is a, a call for each and every one of us as a priest and as the lay faithful as well. And this weekend in our gospel, Jesus outlines very clearly what it means to be a follower, what he believes uh, qualifies us to be uh, disciples. And we see this encounter between Jesus and Peter, and I kind of want to focus on this encounter today because Jesus reveals to Peter and the disciples, as he does in other parts of the gospel, his plan to save the world, his plan to save all of humanity. And so Jesus is very clear today. He says that he will be arrested. He will endure great suffering at the hands of elders and the chief priests, and he will be killed, and on the third day he will rise again. We know, uh, we take these words very seriously uh, because we know that Peter, his reaction is that, of course, he doesn't want that to happen. But yet Jesus responds with something very, very harsh, what seems on paper. He says, get behind me, Satan. So we know that, we know that Satan obviously is the enemy of the church, the enemy of God. So we know that uh, we, we need to kind of look at this very, very carefully because we too are disciples of our Lord. And Jesus points out to Peter, he says, Peter, you are thinking not as God does, but as humans do. So it begs the question, well, what was Peter thinking? Well, I think we can all sympathize in a little way with Peter. After all, Peter loves Jesus. Jesus is his teacher, someone he's journeyed with for uh, many years. 
And we see that uh, Jesus, of course, saying that he's going to be arrested and suffer and die, of course, Peter is going to respond in this way. I think all of us would respond in, in a similar way in the sense that if we have someone we love, we know that they're going to endure suffering, we wouldn't want to wish them that suffering. And yet, in spite of this kind of, kind of natural human reaction, Jesus says that, his, that Peter's thoughts and his words are a stumbling block. He says uh, that, uh, you know, you're a stumbling block to the, the will of God. And if we look at the Greek translation of this passage, stumbling block is used, uh, the word scandalon, and it's also, it can mean a stumbling stone. That this is a stumbling stone that when you're walking along the path, you'll stumble over this stone and trip and fall. And it's an interesting image that, uh, that the Greek translation uses because just before this passage, earlier in Matthew, Jesus appoints Peter as the rock upon which the church will be built upon. So we have this kind of uh, imagery that Peter is the rock, the foundation upon which the church, the bride of Christ, will, will be built. And then a few moments later in Matthew, we see now that he's a stumbling stone to the divine will of God. And in some ways, this can bring us some peace. It brings me a lot of peace because Peter, although he has many weaknesses, he has a very special call uh, in the plan of salvation, and yet he doesn't have it all put together. That in one moment, he is, he's kind of given this great uh, call to be the foundation, the first pope of the church, and yet he doesn't have it all put together right away. And I think that can bring us some consolation as disciples. We may not have, uh, we may not know always the divine will of God, but this is an ongoing call for each and every one of us as disciples. We know that uh, uh, Jesus uh, then goes on to kind of uh, point out the, the famous kind of citation that we're all familiar with, that disciples have to carry their cross deny themselves and follow after the Lord. And we know this kind of language. We've all heard this before. And the one thing I want to point out is that when he said, take up your cross, we're familiar with that in kind of our earthly burdens that we're to journey with our Lord by carrying our crosses. But the word cross would have meant something very, very uh, more serious uh, at that time. Because the cross was a symbol of death at that time. We know the Roman uh, the Romans, they were, to, they were crucified a lot of people, oftentimes in a very public way, putting them in, on a hilltop for everyone to see because they wanted to kind of instill fear into people. But we know that when Jesus said, you have to carry your cross, it would have meant for the people of that time that you need to follow me even until death, even, even to the point of giving your life. And then, of course, Jesus goes on to say, whoever wants to save their life for my sake uh, uh, will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find true life. And we know that that is kind of our ultimate goal. And we see these kind of pearls in a lot of Jesus' words, kind of these play on words and, and paradoxes to forfeit our life, uh, we, we gain eternal life, and so on and so forth. But I just want to, I stumbled upon in my prayer this, the, the citation from Jesus when he says, for what will it profit anyone to gain the whole world but forfeit their life. In other words, what will it profit us to gain all the joys and pleasures of this earthly life, yet forfeit our soul to be separated from God forever? And it's interesting that, that again, in the Greek translation, the word for life uh, in, in this translation is psyche in, in, in the Greek. So it can be translated as, you know, to gain the whole, everything in this world, but forfeit your soul. 
And we know what does it mean to forfeit our souls is to be away from God forever in hell, which is what we, nobody wants. And so we know that Jesus is kind of holding all of his disciples at a very, very, very high standard, very high standard. He wants us to, uh, to be instruments of his good works in this world, but he also wants us to make sure that our souls are ready uh, and fulfilled to meet our Lord. We do a lot of things to take care of our bodies, which is a good thing because our body is a gift. And so he's saying also as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, we also need to make sure that our souls are in the right place. We see in our first reading from Jeremiah, he's a mouthpiece for our Lord. He's pro prophesying the word of God, yet he himself, he says, Lord, I'm a laughingstock. I'm suffering so much. And, and we see many of our prophets struggle when they're, when they're kind of being the mouthpiece for our Lord. But we know that uh, that earthly suffering is, gonna what, is what is gonna happen for a lot of disciples. Uh, and we need to find that courage and humility to move forward. And many of our saints have also witnessed the same thing. Uh, and there, I could have chosen so many, but I'll choose St. Thomas More. Uh, he was a, a politician, a lawyer in the 1500s who remained faithful to the church, uh, uh, even unto the point of his death. And I always remembered uh, his line before uh, he was killed. He said, know that I die the king's humble servant, but God's first. Know that I die the king's humble servant, but God's first. In other words, that he knew that although he was losing his life on this earth and it brought him a lot of sadness to be separated from his family, he knew that the ultimate prize for him, the life that he was gaining, was that life in heaven, the fulfillment and yearning of all of our souls. And so as we, uh, as disciples, this is an ongoing lifelong journey that we know and think like and see as God sees. But the important thing for us as followers is to make sure that we spend that time with our Lord. And you know this already. You know that the more, you know that saying where we spend a lot of time with our friends, they begin maybe to influence us. We kind of begin to behave like them or speak like them. It's the same thing with our Lord. The more we spend that time with, with our Lord, that he will begin to influence us so that we may see as he sees, to think as he thinks, and to know the will of God and to embrace it in our lives. So we pray for that as disciples today for that grace to always be able to have clarity of the Lord's will in our lives, that we may have the courage to embrace it with courage and humility, and that we may always know we may never be a stumbling block to the divine will of God in our lives. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Amen.